book of John, uh, chapter number uh, 20, and it sure has been good to be here tonight in God's house, and I uh, just want to read a few verses of scripture out of John chapter number 20, enjoyed every song tonight, and uh, appreciate the Lord. If you're able to stand with us, this is really uh, probably a sermon to, uh, you know, that would be more fitting for Easter, but you know how that goes, sometimes Easter rolls around or some a uh, special day rolls around Christmas, and uh, the Lord won't even have you preach sometimes on that. Uh, but it's just whatever He orders at that time. But as Christians, we believe in the resurrection. Doesn't matter what what Sunday it is. Amen. We celebrate it more than one Sunday out of the year. Uh, we celebrate it every day. Amen. And every time we come to church on Sunday, we celebrate it. So uh, John chapter twenty and verse number eleven, the Bible said, "But Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping, and as she wept." She stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And when they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. And she turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. And Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I have ascended unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Father, I pray now in Jesus' name that you would help us these next few moments. Thank you for the good singing that we have heard tonight and for your people for the opportunity to give once again in the offering. We ask you now to have your will and your way. Bless the invitation and we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want you to notice with me in this passage of scripture here, I want you to notice the sister or the saint that is mentioned in our text. It is Mary Magdalene. The Bible mentions her in verse number 11. And we notice this woman here. Uh, we notice her standing. As the Bible said that Mary stood without at the sepulcher. She's on the outside uh, looking in to the sepulcher where Jesus had laid. And so the Bible here talks about her standing and also her sorrow is mentioned. Notice the Bible said that she was weeping. And as she wept, and notice that even the angel said, to her in verse number 13 woman why weepest thou and Jesus said to her in verse number 15 woman why weepest thou so the Bible highlights her tears you know I'm glad tonight uh, that God will highlight our tears amen he knows our sorrow and he knows our standing and then the Bible mentions her stooping as she stooped down meaning that physically she bent down as she looked into this sepulcher I would say that this woman was not just bent down physically but she was bent down and she was bowed down mentally and emotionally. In other words, she was about as low as what a person could go. She was, uh, she was disheartened and she was brokenhearted because uh, she did not see the body of Jesus. And we notice also her searching. The Bible said that she looked uh, into the sepulcher. So Mary had to see inside the sepulcher for herself. The other disciples have looked. They have came. 
Uh, Jesus is not there, but Mary stands after they have left, and she looks in the sepulcher herself. And so we notice here uh, the sister, this dear sister in our text, uh, who cannot bear the thought of having to leave the last place where Jesus was uh, without that body. And then we notice the splendor in our text. If you'll notice with me in verse number 12, the Bible said that she saw two angels in white sitting and the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And so these angels here, the Bible talks about them and wants us to know that they were seen. She saw these angels. Now, one of the accounts give it as two men. And so these men are sitting there. One is at the head. The other one is at the feet of where our Lord lay. And the Bible said that they are sitting. Uh, but they're saying something to her. In verse number 13, they say, Woman, why weepest thou? They're interested in her tears. Uh, you know, the angels, uh, the Bible said that they desire to look in uh, to the things uh, uh, that we have, the, the life that we live. They look into this life uh, and they ask Mary, why weepest thou? And so we see the splendor in this text. But notice the statement in verse number 13. She gives them an answer and says, because they have taken away my Lord and I know not where they have laid him. Now Mary's tears was not without a cause. She said because, amen, she's weeping over something that matters, amen. You know, you can tell a lot about a person by what brings tears to their eyes, amen. And when we think about her statement here that she makes, I remember years ago, uh, Dr. James Crumpton was preaching at Faith Baptist Camp, and this was the title of his sermon, They Have Taken Away My Lord, and I Know Not Where They Have Laid Him. And so Mary makes a wonderful statement that's remembered and recorded in the Scriptures. Uh, it shows her tears has a cause. Uh, she's not weeping for herself, uh, but she is weeping over Jesus. Amen. We see her statement. She speaks through the tears. And we see that this statement uh, that it has a cause. And, and she draws a conclusion. As she said, they have taken away my Lord. She had already in her mind come to the place where she believed that someone has taken Jesus away. You know, that's what tears and sorrow and desperation will do to us oftentimes, it'll cause us to draw a conclusion in and of ourselves. Mary was sincere in what she was saying, but she couldn't have been more wrong any other time because Jesus, no one had taken him away. We find here that she makes this confession that I know not where they have laid him. So here we have Mary is at this place where Jesus is gone. She's at the sepulcher. She is weeping. Uh, she sees these angels, uh, but she does not recognize them uh, to, to be uh, angels. Uh, uh, the, the sorrow and the tears uh, and the burdens has so overwhelmed her that she cannot see what's happening around her. Now I want you to notice the Savior in our text tonight. The Bible says in verse number 14, And when she had thus said, she turned herself back. And I underlined this little statement here. It's what I want to preach on in a few minutes, if I can. And saw Jesus standing. That's a good statement, isn't it? Especially, it's a good statement on a sad day. 
Everything that she was sorrowing over, everything that she was weeping about was standing right behind her. Jesus is there while Mary is weeping, while she is worried, while she is wondering where he is at. And all the while, you know what he's doing? He's standing right behind her. Notice the Bible said that when she had thus said that she turned herself back. And when Mary turned back, you know what? She saw Jesus standing behind her and now standing before her. I want to preach a few minutes on this subject, on standing somewheres in the shadows. You'll find Jesus. Because that's exactly what Jesus is doing in our text. Whenever Mary sees Jesus in verse number 14, she is unknown to a lot of things. She cannot see what's going on around her because of that sorrow. Heaven is working with her, but she cannot see that because of the circumstances. She doesn't see the angels. She doesn't recognize the Savior. She doesn't remember the promises. Hey, have you ever been so so sorrowful, so broken, your heart had bothered you so much, maybe a a trial uh, or maybe disappointment set in to the point uh, uh, that you uh, uh, could not even see the Savior. That's where she's at. She doesn't recognize, look at verse 14. She doesn't recognize his presence. The Bible said that she knew not that it was Jesus. She's looking at him, but she doesn't know that it's him. She, was, she didn't recognize his presence. She didn't recognize his purpose. Look at verse 15. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou, and whom seekest thou? I mean, Jesus knew why she was weeping, and he knew who she was seeking, but he is asking her this question. I, I think he's asking her this question because, number one, he's fixing to reveal himself. Number two, she had confessed it to the angels, but she hadn't confessed it to him. You know, we can go to everybody else and we can share our sorrows and we can share our burdens, but the Lord always wants us to tell him about it. She said, he said, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? He knew the answers to these questions, but he wanted to hear it from her. And I think he wants to hear from us what our burdens is. And we see in this text, she did not recognize his purpose and she did not recognize his presence and if you'll notice in verse 15 she did not recognize his position she's supposing him to be the gardener she looks at Jesus and supposes him to be the gardener you know when I read that I thought well he is the gardener amen because he is the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley and he is the, the one that created all things. And, and this, this book started with a garden, amen. It's going to end up with a city one of these days, amen. It started out in a garden, man did, but we'll wind up in a city. But God is a perfect gardener, amen. He said in John 15, I am the vine near the branches. And Jesus knew that, but she did not recognize him. For who he is. You know, I can relate to her because there have been times in my life when I didn't recognize Christ for who he was, for what he could do. Sometimes the sorrows of life can hang low to the point he's there, but we don't see him. He, he's before us, but we don't recognize him. He's speaking to us, 
but we don't acknowledge it. It doesn't mean that she don't love Christ. It doesn't mean that she's not looking for Christ. Uh, but what it does mean is that her sorrows are so heavy that she cannot see him. She doesn't recognize his position. But I'm glad that even though Mary didn't recognize Jesus, Jesus recognized her. You see, Mary came there that day with the idea to, to prepare Jesus. But Jesus needs no preparation. What she didn't know is that Christ came there that day to prepare Mary. She came there that day thinking that she would, uh, she would pick up Jesus and, and she would carry Jesus. Uh, just tell me where he is, supposing him to be the gardener. Tell me where they've laid him. Uh, and she says in verse number uh, 15, she said, Sir, if thou hast borne him from hence, tell me where thou hast laid him and I'll take him away. Lord, I, I or said, Sir, I'll pick him up and I'll carry him. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus didn't need that. He came to pick her up and to carry her. Amen. I'm telling I'm glad, thank God, uh, uh, when we're low and when we can't uh, and when we don't know what's going on, I'm glad we serve a God tonight who is fully able uh, to pick us up in the worst situations of life uh, and to carry us all the way through. We'll never have to carry him for he always carries us. And I want to give you three things tonight in this text here. And I want you to see tonight that you'll find, when you find Jesus standing in the shadows, you'll always find these things. Number one, you'll find a word that is personal. Jesus saith unto her in verse 16, Mary. And she turneth herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. You know, you know what's interesting about that to me? Here's that Jesus has already given her a word in verse 15. He's already spoke to her. It's a plain word, but it's not personal. He says, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She is carrying on a conversation with Jesus and not even recognizing who he is. You say, Brother Gravely, that, that almost seems impossible. Well, he hadn't revealed himself. He hadn't made himself known to her. And I was thinking about sometimes I know this is the word of God. I know this is God's word for man. But can I be honest with you? There are days when you read through that, that Bible program. There are days I read through them chapters and I wish I could tell you. I mean, every day I read the Bible, it helps me. But I wish I could tell you that every day I read the Bible, I get something personal that I could walk away and say, boy, God spoke to me in a personal way. It's not that way every day. Every day there's some principle, there's some instruction, there is something there to apply to my life. God is talking to me just like he's talking to her in verse number 15. But, but I want to say that there are days reading those verses and reading those chapters, uh, the flesh may get tired, the flesh may get weary, the flesh might even say to you, well, you didn't get nothing out of that. Just a plain conversation, devotional with God. I'll tell you what I do thank God for. The days when he gives me a word. The day when he gives me a personal word. Do you realize in verse number 16 that it only took one word to turn Mary's world from the bottom to the top? It only took one word for Jesus to make himself known. He just called her by name. 
I mean, to us, that may not mean a whole lot, but I'll tell you, that's the same way it is with God. You can be reading your Bible and going out there, and what, listen, it don't take a whole lot for God to hang on your soul and let you know he spoke to you personally. That word, when he said Mary, she knew immediately who he was. You say, how was that? He must have said it in a tone like that only he could say it. And I believe that because there, he speaks to us in a way. He speaks to us in a tone, just a still, small voice. But, but when he speaks to us, we don't have to ask no questions as to who it is that's talking to us. I want to say tonight, standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus and you'll find a word that is personal. You know, that's why Bible reading is so important in our life. Because every day that you don't read your Bible, every day that I don't read my Bible, if we skip a day, you don't know what you're missing. You don't know. You may be praying about something and saying, I, I'm looking for some answers. I'm, I'm seeking God's will about something. I, I, and I preach, I can't, get, I can't get the answer. Well, it might have been five days ago. If you skipped your Bible reading, you'll never know. You see, it's important that we stay in the Word of God, that we let the Word of God dwell in us richly because sometimes uh, uh, there are mundane, mundane times when, when we go through life uh, and we read the Scriptures and it seems as if nothing is happening. But I'll tell you, if you'll just hang on, uh, the Lord is always going to reveal Himself somewhere in that conversation. I notice that there's a word that is personal. And then I notice in verse 17, there's a witness that is precious. Jesus says to her, touch me not. She, she says, Master. And he said, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Jesus tells her that he's fixing to go back to heaven. I don't think Christ was taking the blood and putting it on the mercy seat. And if you believe that, that's all right. I wouldn't argue the point with somebody. A lot of commentators will tell you that's what he was going to do. The only problem with that is, if that's the case, where did that blood go for three days and three nights? No angel was worthy to pick that blood up. That blood didn't lay on the ground for three days and three nights. The ground didn't soak it up. But the Bible said in Hebrews that he through the eternal spirit offered up his own blood. There's only one person worthy to put that blood on the mercy seat. And that's the one who shed it. And when Jesus died, his body went into the grave. His soul went to the heart of the earth. And his spirit went to be with God. And if you believe that the problem with this text is, is that if Christ was putting the blood on the mercy seat here, then you've got a blood offering after a resurrection, which does not line up with the Old Testament. And I do believe this from the Bible, that when Jesus died, the, his spirit went to be with God. And as our great high priest, he put that blood on the mercy seat because the veil of the temple could not have been rent in twain until the blood had been applied. And when the blood was applied, that veil was rent, the rocks rent, the veil was rent from the top to the bottom, amen. When Jesus died at Calvary and he gave up the ghost, his spirit went to be with God, the blood was put on the mercy seat, the veil of the temple was rent, amen. And his body went into the grave, his soul went into the heart of the earth. And then on that resurrection morning, thank God his body, soul, and spirit came together. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that he is the first fruits of them which slept, amen. 
Amen. And there is that first fruit offering and Jesus is about to go and present himself, body, soul, and spirit as the first fruits of the resurrection. My friend, before the throne of God, the blood is there. The blood has been applied. But he said, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Christ, there's a witness that is precious. And then there's a work, a work that's being presented. Look what he says to Mary. In verse 17, he said, But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and to your God. Jesus says, Now, Mary, you can't touch me. I'm fixing to go to heaven. But he said, and, and before my Father, but he said, I want you to go tell the brethren that I'm going before my Father and before my God and your God. You know, I thought about this. Everybody likes to be the first to tell good news, don't you? And some people like to be the first to tell bad news. But that's not a good thing, amen. You need to, I don't think nobody here would do that. But I'll say tonight, uh, listen, everybody, when you hear some good news, you want to tell everybody, don't you? And Mary was the first to see Jesus. And she, he tells her, he said, there's a work that's presented. Mary, I want you to go tell my brethren. Can you imagine uh, the opportunity, the privilege that she has to go and to tell them he's not dead. He's alive. I, I've seen him. He's, he's going back to the Father. What a message that she had. The first message that was being delivered was by a woman in this text. You know, tonight, no matter what we face in life, we have the same truth that standing somewhere in the shadows, you will find Jesus. And no matter what you face in life, God always has a word that is personal. God always has a witness that is precious. Why does God let us go through things in life so he can prove to us who he really is? It's one thing for me to stand up here and tell you, I know that God will supply all my needs. But I tell you, when you've been broke and when you didn't know where those needs was coming and God supplied them, hey, you can say it with confidence because you've seen him do that. And others can say, and God will sometimes he stands in the shadows and he lets things seemingly get to a point where it looks like they cannot be reversed so that he can work. And then there is a work for us to do. I'm going to tell you tonight, no matter what we face in life, we can't quit on God. Amen. Listen, how many of y'all, you don't have to raise your hand, but you can say amen to this. How many of you is tonight, I mean, we, I mean I'm mean, i tired of seeing people quit. I'm tired of people seeing people take the easy road. You know, the, the contemporary route or, or whatever is least demanding. Amen. You know what we need in this hour? Committed Christians consecrated you don't hear a lot of preaching about the consecrated Christian life that's giving yourself holy hey there's a work to do when you're young there's a work to do when you're middle aged there's a work to do when you're old I understand when you get older you may not be able to do what you could when you was younger that, that's, that's just common sense but there, never quit on God never quit on God don't, you don't retire. You say, well, preacher, I'm getting old. You, you may not be able to do some of the things you used to do. But I tell you, when you retire is when you take your last breath. If, there, if you want to serve God, there's something for everybody to do. I'll tell you tonight that I've seen people, that, and you have too, that couldn't hardly put one foot in front of the other, but they kept on serving the Lord. 
no stopping place. Young people, serve him with all your might, the Bible said. While you have your strength, you serve God. She was willing. The Bible said that Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, but that he had spoken these and that he had spoken these things unto her. She was willing to do what Christ asked her to do, even in a time of sorrow. He lifted her sorrow, but he gave her something to do. And I want to tell you tonight, we, we, if there's ever been an hour when we got something to do, it's this hour. I do not want to become, and I'm not telling you that I'm what I need to be, but I'm telling you a fear tonight. I don't want to become lazy on God in these last days. I don't want to become complacent on God. I don't want to go with, you know, it's so easy in this society, in America I'm talking about, that we, the, the, the country that we live in tonight, it's so easy to go with the flow. But I don't want to do that tonight, do you? There's a work to be done. 2024, we're still here. We've survived three years of Biden. I mean, that's enough to shout about right there, isn't it? People say things couldn't get worse. I saw a thing the other day said things that uh, someone said things can't get worse. And it was a picture of him. It said, elect, reelect me and I'll prove it to you. <laughs> Amen. But I want to tell you tonight, no matter what happens in this country, we got to, our citizenship is in another country. And you know, as a church, it's not time, and, I'm, and I believe I'm preaching to the choir when I say this, but as a church, we got to do more for God this year than we've ever done. That means when it comes to visitation, we've got to do more. When it comes to giving for the work of God, we, and I'm talking to the pastor as much as anybody, we've got to do more for God. We've got to pray more than we've ever prayed, witness more. You say, why? Because time's running out. More people's going to hell right now. Hey, it's not a time to be backslid. Can I get an amen? amen. You know, when people backslide, and I'm going to say this and be done here in a moment. When people backslide... They always got a basket full of excuses. I don't even know why I'm saying this other than I feel like the Lord would have me to. They always got a basket full of excuses. But I'm going to tell you something. No matter what happens in life, God has treated you and treated me beyond fair to us. Amen. He has been more. I have no reason to quit on God tonight. Oh, Brother Buster Seaton, I heard him say it years ago. He was preaching a revival meeting there at Concord. And he, said, he, he made a quote from somebody, I don't remember what, but he said, as a Christian, our attitude ought to be this, anything less than a slaughter ought to be counted a blessing in our life. Because that's what we deserve, isn't it? I'll tell you, God's been good to us, hasn't he? They sang them songs this morning, and we came to church, and I said, Lord, would you meet with us this morning? Not saying it because of my prayers. Or I know other people pray for the services, but I said, Lord, would you meet with us this morning? Would you... Would you help us? I said, I know people have been sick, and, and I know that there'll be people that can't be here. There'll be people that are just recovering. I said, I know when you people don't feel good sometimes, it can affect the service. And I said, Lord, would you just meet with us? And I'm going to tell you, Brother Daniel, yeah, I, it's the goodest Sunday school lesson I ever heard this morning. Amen. And I'm not just saying that, but it's, it's true. And, and, and I tell you, it fed my soul. Amen. And I heard other people say that. And then the singing and the testimonies. Isn't God been, hadn't he been good to us? He blesses. And then tonight, everything has been good. And I said, over, I said, Lord, I don't know if I can preach or not. And uh, I don't know how much preaching I've done, but I gave it a shot, okay? All right? But I'm going to tell you, God has blessed this church. We got a good church. 
Well, you don't have a perfect church. But I'm going to tell you, I've been across this country, and I've seen, and these other men have been across this country and seen the shape that churches are in tonight. Brother, what we have tonight, there are places all across this country. They would give everything they got to have just half of what we have tonight. What we would call a, a dead service, they'd walk out saying, man, that's pretty good. That's a good service. You know what we do? Well, that's kind of on the dead side. I tell you, God's been good to us, hasn't he? And we made it through 2023. And I praise God for that. And here we are fixing close to closing out a whole month in 2024. You know what? It ain't going to, it could happen in a moment. Jesus is coming. Amen. And tonight as we stand, I want to encourage you. No matter what you face or what you may be going through or what you have been through, standing somewheres in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. He's there tonight. He always has been. He always will be. If you got a burden tonight, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, you don't have to come. But if you need to come, then I want you to come tonight, invite you to come. If you got something you need to put on this altar, maybe something tonight that the devil said that's never going to happen, that's never going to happen.